0: I'm John Crawl. Today on No Limits, we're going to take a look at the upcoming session of the Indiana General Assembly, which promises to be a significant one. Among other things, the state's legislators likely will have to deal with issues of same-sex marriage and Indiana's troubled school grading system. We'll talk about those issues and others confronting Indiana. My guests will be two veteran lawmakers, Indiana House Minority Leader Scott Piloth, a Democrat from Michigan City, and Senator Jim Merritt, a Republican from Indianapolis. Please join the conversation by calling 1-866-476-3881, emailing nolimits at wfyi.org, or connecting via Facebook or Twitter at WFYI. Now, this news.
1: limits is made possible by wgu indiana indiana's eighth state university information about earning a degree from wgu
2: an accredited online nonprofit university is available at indiana.wgu.edu and by apparatus managing it infrastructure so companies don't have to it's advanced it made simple learn more at
3: apparatus.net
0: Welcome to No Limits. I am John Crawl, director of Franklin College's Pulliam School of Journalism, publisher of the Statehousefile.com, and your host. We're going to do a legislative preview on today's show, and if you would like to join the conversation, you can do so by calling us at 1-866-476-3881. You can send an email to Limits at org, or you can connect with us via Facebook or Twitter at WFYI. I'm joined in the first half of this show by uh, by phone, by Representative Scott Piloth. He's calling from somewhere up in northern Indiana, if I'm not mistaken, right, Representative Piloth? Welcome to the program.
2: That's, that's right, John. I'm actually up here in my hometown of Michigan City. I'm having lunch with the Michigan City Exchange Club, and I... I told them all I was going to step away from them for a little while to talk with you.
0: Oh, forward to well, it. I hope they're not irritated with me, but...
2: No, they're not. They're oh. very pleased.
0: Good. Well, why don't we start a little bit. What do you expect out of out of this session that, that we're going to be facing? What do you think the big issues are going to be?
2: Well, I could, first, let me tell you what I think the big issue should be, okay. and that's getting Indiana's middle class back on its feet. Um I mean, our, our unemployment rate is, uh, is a point above the national average. Our per capita income is lagging by, badly behind the rest of the nation. And we ought to be looking at ways to take the pressure off of them um, so they're able to regain consumer confidence, begin spending their disposable income, and creating jobs for other people. Uh, what I fear it's going to be about, and all the indications have suggested it so far, it's going to be about distractions, and, and the biggest distraction is this, uh, this uh, same-sex marriage, uh, marriage equality issue, uh, whatever people on different ends of the spectrum call it. Um, that's the only thing that it appears there's been a commitment to consider uh, by the leaders of the House and the Senate. And uh, sadly, it's, it's my fear that amidst all the, the economic problems facing Indiana – uh, that's what's going to dominate the headlines, and that's what's going to set the tone of the session.
0: We can talk a little bit about the same-sex marriage issue a little later, but I, I'd like to pick up on your, your first point. Um, in terms of basically creating jobs, uh, stimulating some economic growth, you know, creating some middle-class relief, as it were, uh, what steps do you think the state ought to take?
2: Well, there's, a, there's one very simple one that the uh, the administration and the legislative leaders have refused. It's something we could do today, and that's to do the expansion that's allowed to us under the Affordable Care Act. Um, not only that would that prevent uh, medical bankruptcies, not only would it make people feel more confident in their own economic situation because they have access to, to health care that they know won't break the bank and that they won't have to go to the emergency room for, uh, but uh, the Indiana Hospital Association says it would create 30,000 new middle-class jobs. Now, I understand that, uh, that most Republicans don't like the Affordable Care Act. I understand a lot of uh, Americans and Hoosiers are uncertain about it. But the fact is it's the law of the land, and, uh, and Governor Pence says we, says we will not comply with the Affordable Care Act in, in terms of covering 400,000 uh, working and uninsured Hoosiers. Uh, he's uh, He's gone a different course from uh, Republican governors like uh, Jan Brewer and Rick Scott and John Kasich and others who who understand that uh, given that we're already sending our tax dollars to Washington, we ought to be uh, making sure the people in our own state get affordable health care. Um, we can debate the specifics out in Washington, but we need to do what's best for the most right now. Uh, and that's just John, that's just one example of something we could do immediately. That would take pressure off our middle class and allow them to start creating more jobs for each other
0: in some ways you've, you've alluded to what is the you know the elephant in the center of the room right now uh, and that is the federal government shutdown um, the fact yes. that that uh, and that the trigger for that at least uh, you know in, in, in the view of uh, the Republicans in the US House of Representatives was the Affordable Care Act and the the rollout. Of, of that, what implication, I'm going to take a couple of steps here, a couple of questions. What implications is, a, is the federal government shutdown likely to have for Indiana?
2: Well, unfortunately, Indiana is not an island from the rest of the nation. I mean, if, if we end up, if the, the shutdown continues, and remember, um, we have uh, tens of thousands of federal employees um, here in the state of Indiana. Hmm. They're ones worried about their paychecks and guess what? Their paychecks spend the same as everybody else's. Uh they go to restaurants, they go shopping, they go buy clothes and supplies for their families. And when they're not able to do that as much, it affects the economics for others. So there's the there's the demand side implication of the shutdown um, right here in Indiana. Now, if you talk about broaching the debt limit, then that becomes a a national and, and international economic problem. Uh, it could deepen uh, our, our economic malaise and what that means is that there's no scenario for for indiana to be able to uh, climb above what the rest of the nation is doing uh... because the fact is we've been lagging behind and uh... is that if the nation lags we could fall behind even further um, And those changes have immediate impacts on things like government services uh... that people need in times of difficulty uh, but more importantly, they have an impact on the middle class's confidence to spend uh, their disposable consumer income. And when that is impeded, uh, you've got, uh, you have long-term economic problems.
0: We are talking uh, about the upcoming session of the legislature. And my guest right now is Representative Scott Piloth, a minority leader. He's a Democrat from uh, Michigan City. If you would like to join the conversation, you can do so by calling us at 1-866-476-3881. You can send an email to Limits at org, or you can connect with us via Facebook or Twitter at WFYI. Representative Piloth... Uh, to be fair, the the uh, the Republicans in the U.S. House of Representatives, and obviously some uh, members, Republican members of the U.S. Senate, uh, see this as a stand on principle that they're opposed to the Affordable Care Act and its implementation, and they're trying to, you know, to impede the process. Take that stand on principle. Democrats in uh, in the state of Indiana, um, a couple of years ago tried to take a, a stand that was at least somewhat similar in spirit, in opposition to, to right-to-work legislation. If if House Republicans were willing to listen to you, what lessons would you try to impart to them about that experience for Democrats well, I, in the state I, of Indiana? I would
2: say that um, uh, whenever you do something... Like this, when you take the most extreme political measures, in this case, um, breaching the debt limit is the is the uh, economic equivalent of, of using a nuclear weapon. I mean, it's just something that you you just don't do. Um, if you're going to take the most extreme steps, you sure better have the public on your side, uh, because if you don't have the public on your side, you're going to have uh, there are consequences to pay. Um, and I would implore them, look. Uh, there's plenty of ways to debate this. Um, Ob- Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act, whatever, whatever you want to call it, it's a living, breathing document. It's going to be refined and reformed and changed uh, for many years to come. Uh, but when you want to use the full faith and credit of the United States in order to, to force changes in that, um, that's something that just simply has to be off-limits um, in, in, in a stable governing process because... You could use it any time, and when you use it successfully once, then it always becomes a tool. You know, one thing I know Democrats in Washington care about quite a bit is immigration reform. Well, what if they said uh, maybe when they're maybe when they're the minority party in the Senate and continue to be the minority party in the House, hey, we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna not pay the nation's debt anymore until you give us immigration reform. Well, that's a game that never stops, and I think uh, in a a stably run country, we have to agree that there are certain things that just aren't going to be considered. And uh, I'm confident in saying that because not only uh, do a lot of Democrats agree with that, I know many, if not the majority of Republicans, feel the same way. I heard uh, uh, a great American, Senator McCain, say it just last evening.
0: What what did Democrats learn from the whole right-to-work battle? I mean, what was the takeaway? You obviously it was a you know it was a traumatic experience in in, in right. some ways because you you in addition to to losing a number of seats in the house, uh, you had a change in leadership. What were the profound lessons that you took away from that battle?
2: Well, one of, one of the lessons is that, and in, in one thing I do respect is that there are things that that you think are so important that they're they're worth fighting for. Uh, but you also realize that there's moments when, uh, when, when you you make all of your arguments to the public, um, you fight the good fight, um, you debate all you can, you use your platform to extend issues, but things cannot continue forever. Um, there there is there is a moment where normalcy has to return, and and ultimate judgments have to be made as much as we don't like some of those ultimate judgments but uh, the other thing i would tell people having been through that experience uh there's a new day and uh you can you can uh, look forward and make new plans and think about how you can uh, resume through leadership a, a track that you think is best for the future of your state or your nation and uh not every battle has to be the last battle um, we uh, were, I said, living, breathing with respect to Obamacare. Our government is a living, breathing institution. Things change, people changes, the society that elects them changes, and uh, we we have to embrace those changes.
0: What uh, out of that battle? We made reference to the fact that Democrats lost a number of seats in the Indiana House of Representatives, and now in both chambers, Republicans have a supermajority. What is the path back? To increased leverage, if not if not power in um, sure. in the state house for Democrats, well,
2: it's it, it always is very simple. It's always about message and backing up your message with with actions and votes. Um, we provide an alternative economic vision for Indiana. Um, so often on the other side of the aisle, we only hear. That the solution to our economy is to get people to work for less, and to make sure that investors and all the people with the, who already have the money have more leverage. And uh, and we provide a, an explanation by which we can grow our economy by empowering the middle class. And as we talk about that liberally, and uh, we we demonstrate that consistently throughout Indiana, I think people are going to start to realize that they have a real choice and they're a return balance to state government.
0: We are talking with Representative Scott Piloth, who is the minority leader of the Indiana House Democrats, about, really, it's a legislative preview, but we're talking generally about the uh, the political state of affairs in Indiana and the nation. If you would like to join the conversation, you can call us at 1-866-476-3881. You can send us an email at limits at wfyi.org. Or you can connect with us via Facebook or Twitter, as a listener named Carl did, uh, who sent us a tweet that says, why have Kentucky, Michigan, Ohio, and Illinois all expanded Medicaid and we have we have not? How will that impact our state? Representative Piloth.
2: Well, it's a, it's a, frankly, it's about national politics. I mean, uh, the, the governor wants to at least keep his options open for running for president in 2016. Um, if he's one of the governors that expanded uh, Medicaid and other, in order to cover 400,000 uninsured people, uh, he's not going to look very strident to Iowa primary voters. Uh, and that's unfortunate because other Republican governors, for very good reasons, have taken that step. But the reality is, and I would appeal to the governor as somebody that cares about how taxpayer dollars are used, he's got to remember that just in the spirit of fairness, Every Hoosier who earns a paycheck, who sends income taxes to Washington, is already paying for the Affordable Care Act. And what we're really saying is that Hoosiers, you can pay for people to have affordable care in in Michigan, Illinois, Ohio, and Kentucky, who we believe we're supposed to uh, su- supposed to lead. Um, we're going to pay for those folks, but not for Hoosiers. And even though people still have misgivings about the direction of health care they definitely understand that we ought to get a return on the dollars that we send out to Washington and uh, that's really the message and it's the message I keep trying to make to Governor Pence um, he's a he's a he's a good person and i keep trying to appeal to his better nature that maybe he will uh, maybe he will change his mind um, we can't tell people that they're only Health care option is the emergency room. It's wildly expensive. We can't afford it. The costs get picked up by other taxpayers and people that already have insurance, and that needs to change.
0: Well, the governor's argument probably, I hesitate to speak for him, as I hesitate to speak for anyone but myself, would be that, A, he, he thinks there are too many costs associated with the Affordable Care Act and that Indiana has an alternative, the Healthy Indiana Plan, or HIP. Uh, what is your response to that?
2: Well, you know, I've said to the governor before, if your way works, if your way works, we'll do it your way. I mean, as long as those as long as those uninsured workers or underinsured workers are getting adequate coverage to keep them out of the emergency room, that's okay. The problem is, is his way doesn't work. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, HIP, and, and I was a strong supporter of HIP when we when we when when we uh, instituted it. It was a good idea then, and it's still a good idea in many ways, but the fact of the matter is it's never come close to uh, ensuring the number of people that it was originally projected to. And we already have a mechanism to fix this problem today. We already have a mechanism in place that other Republican governors have embraced. And uh, why, why have HIP just be a, a vanity pro- project? and a, a point of stubbornness instead of simply doing it the way afforded to us already under law that we know will do a lot of good here in Indiana.
0: To put this in perspective, um, how many uh, Hoosiers does HIP cover and how many would be left uncovered by it?
2: Well, right now we've got, uh, it, it was estimated that there would be about 400,000 people Um who would be eligible for coverage under Medicaid expansion? Um, and HIP is probably going to the the, the one-year approval that they got is probably only going to cover around 50,000 people. Um, that's going to leave a lot of uh, folks left uninsured, and those people are going to be looking around the surrounding states and trying to understand uh, why somebody just told them that uh, uh, that uh, if if they're they're were sick that day and had a respiratory problem, and they tried to get go back to work. That uh, they had to just go into the emergency room, and uh, and disrupt that.
0: Probably should note here a couple of things. The first is that uh, the Governor Pence was scheduled to be in the the second half of this show and had to cancel late yesterday. Second thing is that on the in terms of the government shutdown and the relationship the debt ceiling and presumably also the Affordable Care Act. President Obama is going to have a news conference at two o'clock, and WFYI will be carrying it live. Let's talk state focus. We'd mentioned earlier the uh, the same-sex marriage issue. That most observers say that that has the potential to to bring um, almost a a presidential level campaign spending spree here in the state next year if it makes it onto the ballot. You you referred to it as a distraction. A distraction in what way?
2: Well, okay. Let's let's take away people's um, individual views on on matters such as this. Okay, we know that society is changing. We know that society, particularly among the younger generation, is becoming much more embracing and accepting of marriage equality. Um, But set set that perspective aside for a moment. The fact of the matter is, is that there's already a statute on the books uh, here in Indiana, and we're going to have the governor and legislative leaders drag us through a bitterly divisive debate that's going to be a distraction, that's going to bring a lot of national embarrassment. Um, You have the rest of the country moving one direction, and you're going to have Indiana stridently going the other direction. But the worst part of it is, is that when you look at Indiana's flagging incomes, you see that one of the few solutions um, to that problem is to recruit and retain high-income workers. But who is so much against uh, this uh, ban on same-sex marriage going into the Indiana Constitution? It's companies like Eli Lilly. It's companies like Cummins. It's the big employers of our state that realize that Indiana is not going to be able to recruit top talent if we go out of our way to appear intolerant uh, to our fellow citizens. That's the biggest problem. It's, it's, there's a political distraction, um, it raises emotions, but there's a real economic impact to going down this course. I hope the business community fully gets engaged because I do think that this is going to bring a lot of embarrassing attention on Indiana that's completely unneeded and completely unnecessary. The only question is, are, are the uh, are the um, are the Republican leaders in the legislature uh, so trapped in the grips of the far right that they can't they can't break free?
0: We are talking about matters legislative and political with Representative Scott Piloth, who is the minority leader of the Indiana House of Representatives. I'd like to ask you uh, about uh, a news story that just broke. We just learned that. Fifteen Indiana public school corporations and the state of Indiana have filed a lawsuit in federal court today against the Indi- Internal Revenue Service, the US- United States Department of the Treasury, and the United States Department of Health and Human Services in connection with the Affordable Care Act. What they're trying to do is uh, is challenge the employer mandate. Do you have a response or reaction?
2: Well, look, there, there's going to be, like I said about the Affordable Care Act earlier, It's not going to be any different than than, uh, Medicare um, and Social Security, uh, than a lot of great initiatives taken at a national level. There's always going to be finer points of policy that are going to have to be – they're often worked out in court. They're worked out in the legislative level, and that's okay. Um, We don't strive for perfection in anything that we do. Perfection is a goal, but along the way, there's uh, sensible changes have to be made. Um, People have a right uh, to bring suit if they think that something is going to be, if they think something is not favorable to them, and you're going to have judges that will make decisions. That's not different than anything else Um, is to be expected. But we can't get so far down in the weeds that we lose sight of the important things about the Affordable Care Act, and that is making sure that everyone is a participant in the healthcare system, because whether they have insurance or not, they are. And uh, we have to be able to, uh, one, make sure that we're a healthier nation because people can go to the doctor and not in the emergency room, and that also that our middle class isn't going bankrupt uh, because of uh, exploding health care costs. And then finally, uh, the taxpayers aren't going bankrupt because of exploding health care costs. Those are the important things. The finer points can be dealt with, but we can't get so far down in the weeds that we lose sight of the big things.
0: We are talking with Representative Scott Piloth here on No Limits. You can join the conversation by calling us at 1-866-476-3881. You can send an email to Limits at wfyi.org, or you can connect with us via Facebook or Twitter. I want to come back once, once more to, to Same-Sex Marriage. Is there equality? I mean, so far, as you pointed out, the business community in Indiana is less than enthusiastic about a constitutional ban on same-sex marriage. Social conservatives embrace the concept. Those tend to be two constituencies of the Republican Party. Is there some satisfaction in what amounts to a fa- watching a family quarrel with your that your opponents are having?
2: <laughs> I don't know if it's satisfaction. I think I just... You realize that that's a reality, and sometimes it makes governing the state very difficult Um, because you have uh, two Republican supermajorities that are torn uh, between, you know, the business community and, let's be honest, the ones that typically fund their campaigns, and then the the populist social conservative wing, they're the ones that put up yard signs, and and they're the ones that uh, show up at the polls. And they're, they're clearly torn between the two. But uh, I, I do think that Speaker Bosma and uh, President Pro Tempore Long are going to have to recognize in a very similar way uh, that they've had – that Speaker Boehner is going to have to do out in Washington, is that you can't govern through anger. You can't govern through anger and you can't govern through emotion because when that happens – uh, you end up yielding a result that um, um, often isn't best for your governing coalition in the long term.
0: Representative Pila, thank you very much for joining us. We it's will be back pleasure, shortly John. with Senator Jim Merritt. I am John Crawl. Please stay with us. Welcome back to No Limits. I am John Crawl, director of Franklin College's Pulliam School of Journalism, publisher of the Statehousefile.com and your host. We're doing a legislative preview today on No Limits. You can join the conversation by calling us at 1-866-476-3881. You can send an email to Limits at wfyi.org, or you can connect with us via Facebook or Twitter at WFYI. I'm joined now by Senator... Jim Merritt, who is a Republican from Indianapolis, Senator Merritt, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, thank you very much. Certainly, we have been talking. I'd like to. I'd ask Representative Piloth in the first hour. I'm going to ask you the same first question. What do you expect from this session? What do you think uh, uh, will come out of this session?
1: Well, well as uh, John, as you've been around for a long time, it's it's hard to expect or hard to predict exactly what's going to happen in a short session. A lot of times, you've got election year and and. Uh, legislators want to get in and get out and other years we have a budget other years we have controversial issues and uh it's the indiana legislature and and lots of uh, personality and 150 opinions and uh it it um, promises to be i think very interesting
0: we'll probably talk about uh, one of the issues that people are are focusing a lot is obviously the same-sex marriage issue the Possibility of putting a ban into the into the constitution. The legislature, one way or the other, has to make a decision um, this session for it to go onto the ballot in the fall. But we probably ought to talk about the you know the elephant in the in the center of the room right now, mm-hmm. which is the federal government shutdown. What are the likely implications for Indiana, if any?
1: I don't know if there's any. I believe I believe that they're going to solve this relatively soon. Uh, as I understand it, it is it is. Uh, uh, not warping state government, but affected it in some ways but uh, uh, i i I think this will be probably old news by the time uh, Christmas comes along, and in january we 'll be back to work' we'll, obviously we 're working now, but we 'll be back at, and working in the legislature in january, and that 'll be uh old news and and it 's gone
0: by so you think they 're going to arrive at a solution what what do you think I, the well i believe are? I believe they
1: they have to arrive at a solution. And they uh, they cannot um, let the country default, uh, regardless of what anybody says on on um, money in a in a bill. Uh, they've got a, all all three branches, all three parts. President Obama and the Senate and the House have to come to some sort of agreement and uh, and get the job done.
0: We are talking about matters legislative and political here on No Limits. You can join the conversation by calling us at one eight six six. Four seven six three eight eight one. You can send an email to limits at org, or you can connect with us via Facebook or Twitter at WFYI. Kevin, welcome to the program.
3: Hi, yeah. Um, just a few things, uh, particularly regarding Representative P. Loss' conversation, I'll direct him to the gentleman you're speaking with now as well. Um, he, he compared uh, the Affordable Care Act and Medicare and Social Security and I find that rather laughable. I mean, those two programs everybody knows is are will soon go broke, um, and it is creating an incredible burden on future generations. So for him to compare it to that is should be the death blow to it anyway. Secondly, uh, he says Eli Lilly and large companies want this equality, marriage equality act. I guess that's fine, but. Are they saying that the only qualified people that they can find are gay? Is that the inference there that he and Eli Lilly are making? That seems pretty absurd. Um, I guess those are the only two points that I have.
0: Thanks very much for the call, Kevin. Well, should we deal with the the, the fact? Basically, talked about the elephant in the middle of the room. Yeah, well, <laughs> Kevin's Kevin's argument, uh, if I can if I can uh, translate it fairly or boil it down. Mm-hmm is that we sometimes forget that the, you know, the medical system now that we're trying to expand is broken or we wouldn't have wanted to reform it in the first place. Is mm-hmm. that a fair assessment?
1: Well, I, first of all, I, I believe that we've got the uh, best medical care in the world. And, but second of all, I, I don't know if Obamacare, or, uh, the HCA, uh, whatever you want to call it, contains costs. And I wish that the the discussion that we were having was about medical care rather than medical uh, health care insurance and uh, i I think people are very confused. I think people are uh, are worried about their about their livelihood because of so many companies have cut back because of what they say is perceived as wanting to go um, part time and and I think this country is going to take a lot to iron out the situation and is um is the uh, the uh act uh, another entitlement uh that could very well be uh, i don't I didn't hear what representative Plaf had to say about it but uh, uh as far as I've heard from constituents and people I know when they go online with the with the Obamacare they're confused they're they're sniffing it they're not they're not doing it yet and it's not um in my mind, what people are telling me, and I've not experienced this, but it's not ready
0: for prime time. Well, and we we got, uh, there was some news just before we went on the air, I think, that 15 Indiana public school corporations and the state of Indiana filed suit against a slew of, of federal government agencies. Um, to challenge uh the employer mandate what is your view on that
1: well uh that that absolutely is news to me and uh obviously everyone can file suit uh in this country the supreme court has looked at this uh, legislation and and had their result uh and and thus that that is settled but i'd have to know the 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 obvious issues of the lawsuits but um it appears to me that people are still confused. people don't know uh, exactly how this is all going to be ironed out, and it's such a large, large piece of legislation and a large law that it may be it may be some time before everybody understands exactly what 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 it's all about.
0: Well, let me ask this: how do you feel about the house u uh, s House Republicans decision to to basically say you know we're we're not going to <laughs> to fund the ongoing operation of government until we get a conversation on on this. So the Democrats' response is of course, you know, we had a conversation. It right. was, it became law mm-hmm. um, 3 years ago Supreme Court ruled that it is it passes constitutional muster. We had an intervening election where this mm-hmm. was at the center of the discussion and and we won on that. You know when when does this thing end? When does this discussion end?
1: Well, it, I don't I don't pay a whole lot of attention because I've got so many things I work on here, but I would think that that uh, if the Senate and the President would listen a little bit to the claims or the ideas of the House leadership that everybody ought to be on, under Obamacare. That's I hear that is a factor that they believe everybody uh, there shouldn't be any waivers. Everybody should live under the same umbrella. If if um, just the the natural populace, American populace, have to do it, Congress and other companies have to do it. And also, why why would you give corporate America the waiver of a year and not the individual? So I think they raise good points. I just think they're talking past each other.
0: We are talking about matters political and legislative here on No Limits. My guest is Representative Jim Merritt. If you would like to join the conversation, you can do so by calling us at 1-866-476-3881. You can send an email to Limits at org, or you can connect with us via Facebook or Twitter at WFYI. Terry, welcome to the program. Hello? Hello, Terry. Hello, Terry. What's on your mind?
4: Yes. Um, I, I was calling in about uh, the HIP program. Um, my daughter qualified for the program over a year ago, and she's been put on a waiting list. The waiting list, she will never probably get in the program. She works as a QMA in a nursing home, and they only um, employ the QMA, CMAs 30 hours a week. They don't offer benefits. They don't pay them. She barely afford to make ends meet. Um, She'll never get on that program. And for the governor to not take the um, money from the federal government, which is free money, it's free money for him to not take it. That's a slap in the face to the Hoosiers. That's that's my comment.
0: Thanks very much for the call, Terry. Uh huh. Well, Representative Merritt. Well, uh, <laughs> all right, Senator
1: Merritt. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, it, 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 my wife says it's just Jim. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, uh, I understand that that mm-hmm. uh, young lady's uh, pain or that the young lady's angst because uh, health, your health is everything, and uh, uh, I really believe that we ought to be able to expand. The HIP program to include people like her daughter, to include uh, those that uh, might brush up against the uh, the income level, and and to me HIP is a a program that ought to be modeled around the country, and it, it all it's all about containing costs. Uh, Probably ought to
0: take a step back and explain what HIP is.
1: Well, it's it's, it's it's yeah. Healthy Indiana program, and it, mm-hmm. it and it is uh, it is. Uh, for a certain, it's for the indigent and for its health care, but it has a certain amount of um, uh, people uh, participants that can that can serve or be or be on the list. And what happens is, is you have to wait. If there's a waiting list, you have to wait for someone to get off and earn more money and get past the the um, uh, you know the cap. And and right now it's capped, and we ought to be able to expand that and and make it so that that uh, uh, those of us that can't afford the health care can get that. And to me, if you would insure uh, the catastrophic care and and contain costs and also uh, offer health care for those that can't afford it and that don't have insurance, I think that is a program that is something that everybody could live under. And uh, it's, it's all about containing costs. And obviously that young lady's daughter, um, can't afford the high costs of health care but we're we're uh changing complete system with obamacare
0: well let me let me ask a question mm-hmm. I probably should invite others to join the conversation by calling us at one eight six six four seven six three eight eight one you can send an email to no limits at w f y i dot org or you can connect with us via facebook or twitter at w f y i and and just say you know we now see we've got a government shutdown mm-hmm. uh here you know uh, Republicans in the U.S. House of Representatives saying, you know, this is a position they take on principle and they want to shut things down. A couple of years ago here in Indiana, uh, we had a quasi-government shutdown when Democrats in the Indiana House of Representatives left the state and and pretty much stopped business for Mm -hmm. a number of weeks. How do we get to the point where – and I I think I asked this question on behalf of a lot of Hoosiers and Americans – where people of differing views can just sit down and attempt to work out those differences rather than going to fairly extreme measures to, to articulate their beliefs.
1: Well, uh, I think you just, that's the $50,000 question. And, uh, and I don't say 50 for any particular reason, but that's a lot of money. And it's a, it's, it that is a high bar to reach when, when they're uh, with social media with a 24-7 media, with uh, so many people paying attention and having access to so much information these days and be able to access your representative or your senator that that your opinion is valued and they're getting bombarded by so many different uh, uh, constituents and and groups and and associations that it's very difficult for uh, them to represent their their um, majority, if you will, or the people that they represent in Washington or, or the state house and and but also to uh, respect what others think that may represent a different kind and and um, obviously Jim Merritt doesn't have the answer right now because if I had the answer most people would and and uh, I, I think it all talk I think it all comes back to um, uh, uh, probably uh, everybody respecting the other, and I'm not sure in Washington if they respect each other now. And and there's a lot of feuding going on, and when you have that kind of working atmosphere, that's no atmos- atmosphere to find compromise.
0: Well, let me ask: uh, given uh, you know the feelings ran really high over the right to work battle yes. here in the state. Mm-hmm. I mean. Have the the wounds that created the divisions between the parties and all of that healed, or is that still uh, is there still tension over that?
1: Well, well, I can only speak to the Indiana Senate because uh, I spend but, most of my time there and and you, and a uh, Democrat that was against that probably have to speak to it, but I think we work every day in the Indiana Senate to uh, respect those that don 't have our the same views and and uh, I think that 's a big part of getting things done and we um, uh, Senator Arnold and I, the Caucus Chairman on the other side, he and I have a great working relationship and uh, and a friendship, and I think that's one of the reasons why the Indiana Senate works so well is because we respect them, but we have our views, and and uh, uh, and there was some compromise, and, and, and uh, but that was a big battle that that the House took on along with us, and and um, but uh,
0: I believe our working relationship in the Indiana Senate is a good one. Well, let me ask then: Does it does it concern you at all? We're looking at, it, it, with the issue of same-sex marriage, particularly if it does go on the ballot, mm-hmm. if if the legislature affirms it a second time, right. and it goes to the ballot, something maybe it might even exceed presidential campaign year level mm-hmm. spending on this issue and become yet another hot-button divisive issue in this state. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the added potential that, you know, with Right to Work, it was basically Republicans disagreeing with Democrats. In Mm -hmm. this case, you're going to have a lot of Republicans disagreeing with other Republicans and a lot of Democrats disagreeing with other Democrats. So you could have two family quarrels going on at the same time while you're also both quarreling Mm -hmm. with each other. Does that concern you at all? What do you think the state ought to do with same-sex marriage?
1: Well, well, first of all, uh, what you just described is democracy. And we... Uh, we've got Franklin students in here, Franklin College students in here listening to this and, and they're, they're going to see uh, democracy in action and, and, and there is so much to learn and understand that, that this is the way we represent our constituents and and one of the reasons why I believe that we did not tackle this last year. Uh, this last session was because we had the budget. We had issues that uh, were so and enormous. And we were waiting
0: also for the Supreme Court to rule too.
1: That's exactly right. And but for working uh, with, with for the working atmosphere and with all the all the important um, topics that we that we uh, try to take a look at during a budget session, uh, we we were concerned about use of time. And and uh, I think this year we'll be very concerned about use of time as well, and and uh, but what what you what you're going to view this next session is is we 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 hope to be brief with it, but it's just completely different than what uh, was happening in Washington. What happened a couple of years ago with the right to work? There, everybody has an opinion, and and a lot of us actually have new new districts, new Senate and House districts, since the last time we voted on this, yeah. and different constituencies. I'm gonna take, I, I, I think you know, John, that I spend a lot of time out in my district and I spend mm-hmm. a lot of time listening to people. I have um, Facebook, mm-hmm. Twitter, and everything. I listen to a lot of people and I will be doing uh, a great deal of uh, communicating with people to see where this new district actually lands on this issue. And, and, I, and I would imagine uh, my colleagues would be doing the same. And I couldn't predict what, if we would uh, not do anything at all, uh, allow the state statute, as you, you know, uh, to stand. Uh, change the change the uh, uh, change the amendment to something different, uh, so it resets the clock, or pass the same language so it goes on the ballot in 2014. Right now, I could not predict because what you just said, the Republicans. Are not all going to be united, nor are the Democrats. It'll be a real
0: conversation. Where do you fall personally on the issue? Where well, do you, do you, would you support the current language? Well, or would you well, like well, to
1: see? well first of all, um, I stand by every vote I've given in the 23 years, and sometimes I've made mistakes. But uh, uh, I, I voted for the amendment last time, and uh, but as usual, when legislation comes back up, uh, it's not a. To me, it's not a slam dunk. for sure. I always will take back take and reassess and listen to uh, listen to my constituents so i don't i don't have a set i don't have a set uh feeling i do believe uh that uh, marriage is is a religious uh situation marriage situation is not the correct word but a, a, a institution a, a institution or... yeah it's not a situation it's, a, it's an institution and something that needs to be honored and um but I'm also um, it's also dem- democracy in a, in a republic and uh, I re- represent 130,000 people and I, I expect to hear a lot from a lot of them and I, I am now. We have tried to keep um, the conversations low on this because there's going to be so much and uh, uh, but since the Supreme Court came out, uh, that kind of started the conversation.
0: Are you a little were you a little frustrated by the, the Supreme Court ruling I mean in that it struck down the federal doma law but sort of threw the thing back at the states but a lot of the the reasoning at least in the majority opinion is as Justice Scalia pointed out in his dissent mm-hmm. was that you know if the federal doma is a violation of people's fifth amendment rights and creates that how does that not apply to the states mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. i mean they could have could have taken this completely out of your hands do you wish they had
1: no i think that's why they pay us the big money and uh, i'm i'm um, i'm more than willing to make a decision on anything that uh, is put in front of me. And it, there was no frustration at all because um, I'm all for states' rights and our, make, our decision to make uh, on states' issues. And this if this is one of them, so be it. Uh, there wasn't any frustration at all.
0: We are talking about matters political and legislative here on No Limits. You can join the conversation by calling us at 1-866-476-3881. You can send an email to Limits at WFYI.org, or you can connect with us via Facebook or Twitter at WFYI. Vianna, welcome to the program. Hello. Hello. What's on your mind?
4: Well, I have a lot on my mind, but um, really mostly comments, and, and maybe my comments can be... Uh, taken as a question overall. Um, I think there's a lot of people in my position, friends, and even my family, um, that are being affected by some of these decisions, um, you know, by the legislators. Um, I know that, you know, they're often uh, looking at their constituencies and things like that, but also I believe some of it is party platform, just standing on party platform with without truly rethinking or thinking how does it affect people overall and their rights. I'm a 54 year old lesbian. I've been working and employed gainfully since the age of 16 while I was still in high school and uh, so I've contributed to, to Social Security and uh, unemployment benefits, all those types of things all my life paid my taxes federal and locally. Uh, but I feel like as a lesbian, uh, I am not represented. I do not have equal rights. Uh, I've been in a relationship for 16 years now. I was married uh, in the church, but I can't be married legally. I had over 200 friends and families there at that ceremony, but I have none of the protections that uh, same-sex people that I know, friends and family have, the benefits for, uh, for instance, if, if I were to fall ill or be sick and be hospitalized, The hospital could refuse my partner of 16 years uh, access to me and decisions in my health care. From a personal point of just being a person who's employed, uh, like I said, I was uh, employed gainfully until 2009 when the economy took a downturn. I was uh, downsized with 40 other people. I was able to, at a high cost, purchase uh, insurance through COBRA. When that ran out, I had to be completely self-insured, which is running me 400 and some dollars per month uh, to be insured. So it's, it's a real slap in the face uh, on both sides of these issues that we're talking about uh, for me personally and many of the people I know who are uh, in the same boat as I. Um, so when people want to just uh, turn, a, turn a blind eye, what feels like a blind eye to these uh, uh, for instance, the Health Care Act, uh, maybe it's not perfect. Maybe it's not ideally what we would like, but at mm-hmm. least someone is doing something, starting the ball rolling, uh, where before we were just floundering with no options. Um, and uh, I have not completely been educated on what my options are now, um, trying to in the process of doing that now. But from what it looks like, my insurance costs per month will go down by $200. Um, so for me... A person who's always considered myself middle class and having many options to uh, climb the ladder or uh, realize the American dream. A lot of that has been shattered for me over the last four years. And um, for the Republican Party to tout that they um, believe in people's free choice and minimal government involvement in their day to day lives and in business, I feel like, um, you know, that only works when. Uh, unless it's an idea or a, a platform that they're running on of a societal or moral type opinion, and that's when they do, uh, you know, allow the government to be completely involved in those decisions.
0: Vienna, I'm going to let, uh, yeah, let me let Senator Merritt have a chance to respond. Thank you very much for the call.
1: Well, yeah, thank you very much for the call, and uh, this this is type of input that I'm I'm looking for, and. I don't know if she's a constituent, District 31, northeastern Indianapolis, or or uh, Fishers, but um, th- this is this is the type of uh, this is why I'm out in the public talking with people. Well, first of all, uh, I think that uh, uh, the medical insurance I, I I do believe you can have a medical power attorney and and you can get that situated where where a contract can be uh, can be run. It's just that an individual. Uh, wouldn't have a marriage certificate, and and, and second of all, uh, I I believe that uh, small businesses ought to be able to pool and go together uh, and and uh, uh, buy insurance efficiency, efficiently and buy it by a large amount so it drives down costs. Right now they can't. I believe that you ought to be able to buy insurance across state lines rather than just inside your state i think uh the the portable you ought to be able to take your insurance with you uh all these all these issues that um, right now with the 26 and all these issues i think if if they could have found some sort of middle ground or some 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 way to incorporate uh things like pooling of small business uh it, it would have gone over a lot better and and uh, there was just no compromise on that and that's one of the reasons why you see such upset now and and uh, but I'm I'm really but glad guess, you called. Uh,
0: yeah, let me let me step in on that okay. real quickly because I I think that's one of the frustrations you hear on the other side is that mm-hmm. that in that dialogue uh, you know there's a reason Democrats love to their soundbite is they characterize Republicans as the party of no. Then said where were your ideas would that would that have been a, a good place to start the discussion?
1: Well, and I, I think a lot of times we just don't hear about it, but I do believe that the Republican Party and Democrats, for that matter, have been talking about these um, efficient ways to offer insurance and, and, and whatnot uh, for years. And and uh, I I don't know why you why you wouldn't grant small businesses to go together and uh, try to get the very best uh, insurance with the economies of scale.
0: I think that'll have to be the last word. <clears throat> Excuse me, you Senator Merritt. Yeah, Senator Merritt, thank you very much for joining us. I'd like to also thank Representative Scott Piloth. I am John Crawl. You've been listening to No Limits. Thank you for being with us.
1: No
4: Limits is a production of 90.1 WFYI Public Radio, Indianapolis. Producer, Sharon Allset. Interactive Media Coordinator, Melissa Davis. Technical Producer, Jeanette Rhodes. And Board Engineer, Don Hibschweiler. We invite you to join us each week for No Limits, made available through IPBS, Indiana's public broadcasting stations.